Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Hi everyone, Mecca19 here and you are listening to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast coming to you live once again on Port Fan Radio. And look, joining me once again as co-host, we got Fishing Rick. How are you, mate? I'm very good, Macca. What about yourself? Oh, not too bad. A little bit bad. sad. Very little sad. sad. It's a sad Indeed. time. I did miss you a, last uh, week. Yeah, well, understandable. I am very yeah, missable. This... Yeah, you are. You're missable. And, mm. you know, you're like a monk. You're like a saint. Saint Macca of Port Adelaide. That's what you should monk be. Monk Macca. That's good. Who's our guest? Our guest is Bomber Clifford. How are you, mate? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Well, thank Bomber. you, everyone, for joining us on this uh, pretty sad occasion. I guess it would be uh, you know, pretty remiss if we didn't start with uh, what is one of the most tragic stories in probably Australian sport history, really. You know, the horrific uh, killing of Crows coach and former Port Adelaide assistant coach Phil Walsh. Um, he did spend 11 uh, seasons at Alberton, so you know, Port Adelaide and Philip Walsh went very much hand-in-hand hand for a very long time. Um, as we know, he was an assistant for our premiership year in 2004. Um, and, you know, so many players talk of him as, as one of their greatest influences, especially through the midfield. Um, I'm not even sure where to start with this. It's just uh, you know, such a, a senseless tragedy. It's a tough one. As I was saying before, like it just uh, having to think about the game that was happened Thursday night, it's so hard to to go past that moment on Friday morning when you, when you first heard the news. Mm. Um, it's, it's still quite surreal, actually. It's a travesty, and, uh, or tragedy even. And I put it up there with the tragedy of Phil Hughes. Different circumstances, but still a tragedy nonetheless. And you know, a person who's been cut down in his prime and, and living life to the fullest and, mm. you know, and a family that's torn apart. And I, I think, you know, we, we're caught up in the sporting sense of it, but, yeah, it's a societal issue and, um, and you know, everyone's hurting at this point in time, but, you know, hopefully um, his death will have some meaning over time through education and awareness as which is where the AFL is fantastic, um, bringing awareness and issues in society to people's forefront. And I don't know what the reasons are at this point in time, but I'm sure it will come out and, you know, we can learn from it. Mm. Yep, we certainly could. Um, look, he came to our club in 1999. He was obviously great friends with Choco. He, uh, he played, with Collingwood, uh, played at Collingwood with Choco. He moved to Brisbane with him in '87. Um, you know, it was pretty sad when he left our club the first time. He, he had a little bit of a falling out with Choco, I think, and it was pretty frustrating when he left the second time. But I'm, I'm really glad he got the chance to, to coach a club in his own right, even, even if it was at Adelaide. Um, and I guess it, it sounds a bit cliche, but if anyone deserved it, you know, it was going to be a man with such fantastic knowledge and now for the game as Phil did. Yeah, it was good watching um, over the weekend all of those uh, montages of him and his history and hearing Choco talk about him. Um, I mean, I've only ever, I've only ever known him as, as the assistant coach. Uh, I didn't, didn't really remember him as a player. Um, and so it was good to sort of see those, those memories being replayed again. 
Well, he's the Brisbane Bears and all real best and fairest winner, wasn't he? I think so. Yeah. 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 He was won the Rising Star in '83. It was an interesting career, though, wasn't it? Because for a long time, a lot of supporters thought that he didn't really want to be the main coach, and he didn't like the media. And uh, but he, when he got the opportunity, he was sort of flourishing in it. And you know how how much of a debate has there been this season from a Port Adelaide perspective on have, how much we've missed him tactically? So. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you know, he's he was renowned for being a tactical genius, and um, I guess unfortunately we haven't been able to see the full fruition of that. So it um, it sucks, but like everything, time heals all wounds. I guess doesn't it? Yeah, I mean you just feel great pain for Meredith and and Quinn and you know all their sort of extended family who, in one fell swoop, they've lost you know half their family and. You know, the husband and life partner and essentially, you know, the the son and, and brother in just, you know, a moment of madness. I mean, it's just, it's hard to even grasp what's actually occurred. And as you said, Nick, it, it still feels so surreal and actually feels like the game from Thursday night feels about a month ago. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It, it certainly doesn't seem like it was four days ago, five days ago. It's also pretty sad. I mean... It's Phil Walsh gone. There's Dean Bailey gone from that fantastic coaching group that we had in 2004. You know, Choco got diagnosed with cancer. I mean, it's it's almost like a bit of a curse. Mm-hmm. Are they cursed because they left? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> I think it's I think it's more a signature of the their characteristics more than anything. They're all very very intense individuals. <laughs> Aren't Very they? intense dudes, yeah. So maybe they're too intense for their own good, and that in turn has led uh, to these guys. I don't know, having a bit of stress on their bodies or whatever. I mean, Phil. I don't know. Who knows? If Phil's intensity was his downfall, either who who bloody knows? And I don't. It's not for me to judge or even interfere. I don't really want to know. So, um, but yeah, Dean ba- Bailey was a tragedy, and uh, at least Choco is. Um, fighting for another day, which is fantastic news. His interview um, uh, the other night was uh, heartbreaking. That was, was. I mean, I saw a lot of stuff that was really tugging tugging at the emotions, but it wasn't until I saw him talk about Walsh that I really, it really hammered home. Um, Yeah. He had to stop a couple of times and, yeah, you, you could tell it was absolutely shattering for Choco. Yeah. Mm. I'm glad you clarified what was tugging there too, Nick. (laughs) You had me concerned. I I was a big fan of Choco, but not that much. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I had to alleviate it. We're we're on a downer and we need to... We we can't be on too much of a downer for too long because uh, this isn't uh, depressing radio, I guess. But it's just not good at the moment, is it? That's the problem. Well, it's not, and I guess uh, the next point is um, how do you feel this is going to affect our club um, going forward in the next few weeks? I think it could be... Oh, sorry, Nick, I was just going to say, I think it could be another bonding um, and wake-up call for the boys. Um, yeah, I think it's not to diminish the Crows' uh, 
a bond with Phil Walsh, but I guess there's a lot of people at the footy club that probably knew Phil Walsh a lot deeper at Port Adelaide than um, than at the Crows. Um, so uh, the Weagle and the Weagles is another one as well. So uh, obviously he spent five years there too. So I'd, I'd say the boys would be quite unified by this, and maybe it might give them a little bit of a wake up call and jolt them into second gear. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'll be. It's hard to sort of tell because it's um, the the McCarthy when the McCarthy tragedy happened. It was um, after the season they had. They had their grieving process outside of um, the football season. So having to continue on as a professional footballer and have to deal with this grief would be phenomenally difficult. Um, and that regardless of which club you're at, whether you're a Port player, Crows player, uh, Eagles player, because um, he seemed to be that kind of coach that really, really got in with the players, you know, reading reading Dom's article and um, hearing the snippets from um, from Kane, he was obviously a big big part of their of their football lives. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, I think the advantage we have though is um, Phil left to coach the Crows, obviously. So, um, you know, we've lost a friend. The players would have lost a friend, um, but they obviously they wouldn't have been with him. Um, day to day anymore and that's that's where I guess for the Crows it's a lot more difficult they would have formed this bond with them over the last nine months and being in, in their pockets day in day out and and all of a sudden he's not there and they've lost their their leader whereas for us he he was no more no longer operations man so he was a good friend so we might be able I'm, a, I'm a, just guessing here but I'm, I'm thinking we might be able to gain regain our resolve a little bit easier and focus Whereas the Crows, it might be a lot more difficult because, you know, he was their man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, maybe that difference in, in role and in friendship now, um, you know, could be used as another galvanising tool. I intentionally uh, stayed away from comparing it to McCarthy because I, I don't know if you can really compare a, a teammate um, to a coach. I guess it's a different relationship in a way, I would imagine. So, but I mean... Grief is grief and, and death is death and it sucks at whoever it is. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll soon, time will tell, but I'm sure they'll be very motivated on Thursday night. Mm. It's going to be an interesting game. Yeah. It will. It's going to be interesting to see how the Crows recover in terms of their next couple of games. Obviously, they play us in two weeks' time. They play the Eagles, um, who will be mourning as well this weekend. And it's going to be hard to see... Well, it's going to be difficult to work out how it's going to play out for the Crows and whether they... I mean, I think it's going to play out either two ways. They're either going to get absolutely thrashed off the park or they're going to absolutely thrash the Eagles off the park, I think. Mm. I think it'll be, the, I think it'll be the, the first one. I think the emotion will get, get to them. I can't see how it can't, to be honest. Yeah. And, um, it's very tough. And, I mean, it would have been very tough for them to have fronted up it was impossible, and I was glad the AFL made the call that they did and just yeah, took it out it of their the right control. Decision. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, they might have said, yeah, yeah, we can do it, we can do it. And then, you know, the fatigue factor of playing AFL football sets in, and then coupled with the emotion, you know, players could have just lost their call or, or whatever. And, 
you know, and it, they would have it would have been uncontrollable. So I thought it was very, um, yeah, it was very smart by the AFL. It was very good of Geelong too to allow the um, allow them not to have to forfeit and split the points. Yes. Yeah. I mean that they had to make that call, really, mm. didn't they? I mean. You wouldn't want to be the team that said, no, you can forfeit everything <laughs> with mm. that. I mean, it, it just wouldn't well, have made any sense, sort of morally was, or, or anything like that. So. It was a bad PR nightmare waiting to happen because if it came out that the AFL sort of forced the Crows to play sort of when they weren't in a position, you know, the AFL would have been smeared. Um, and if Geelong came, got, if it came out that Geelong, you know, took the four points... To, because they refused to concede playing the game, you know they would have been smeared. So they both entities had no choice really to do it. And um, yeah, but look, I personally, I think it's a fair result. It would have been tough. I mean, the AFL fixtures set in stone, so you you can't really change it, can you? No, yeah. you can't. It was definitely the right decision. Maybe if it, you know, if this occurred on a Monday or a Tuesday, and they had five or six days to recover, then maybe they would have played the game or or maybe the AFL would have put it to them to play the game, but not when there's only, you know, 24 or 48 hours after yeah. the fact. It's, you know, it would have just been impossible for the players to, to get up and, and and do what they have to do out on the field and, you know, with that running through their mind. I mean, it was definitely the right decision. And I guess that leads me into the final question for this part is, um, obviously, this is something that you would think will sort of help bond Port Adelaide and Adelaide supporters together. Certainly the two clubs, I think, will get a lot closer out of this as well. And, you know, do you think that's a good thing? Do you think we'll see um, the supporters sort of, you know, get a lot closer from this incident? No. You don't think so? <laughs> no. <laughs> you think it'll probably be... I mean, a lot of people are saying, you know, we'll, we'll have sort of two weeks of hugs and kisses and then it'll just go back to normal. Yeah. Novelty will wear off pretty quick, mate. Maybe it might last this year, you know, but then after that, you know, the crows will start getting stuck into us again and then they'll become crows flocks. As soon uh, as one team starts an ascendancy over the other one, yep. uh, then the animosity will come back. But I think, I think you're right. I reckon it will last for the rest of this season. Um, you know, there will be a little bit more um, friendly banter on the, on the forum and at the games and... The showdown's going to be a hell of an interesting showdown. Um, mm. and it's, it's almost... It's going to be an emotional time, I think. Oh, completely. And it's... Uh, I mean, I'm, as, I'm almost as interested to see what goes on on the field as what gets planned prior to the game. Um, I mean, I'm used to going to the footy and getting drunk and getting loud and having fun and being raucous. And I... It's we know that. It's diffi- yeah. <laughs> We've seen that before. Bloody hell, out of control, this guy. <laughs> it's it's going to be difficult to do that at uh, at the showdown. Even even this Thursday night, it's it's sort of a bit more of a sombre occasion. So you, I think it's going to change the dynamic of those two games, especially. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting and I guess it's going to be something pretty special to be involved in, I guess, from a uh, from the two clubs' point of view, I guess, and I guess we'll leave it there and look, you know, from the Big Footy Port LA podcast and Port Fan Radio crew, you know, our, our deeper sympathies go out to Phil's family and friends and you know, everyone involved at 
Port Adelaide and, and Adelaide and West Coast and, and the other people across the AFL that you know were, were close to Phil and I really hope everyone involved can get the support they need out of this and you know rest in peace Phil I think your legacy across the AFL is going to live on for generations to come well great it's like a man's best party only happens when he dies we gather round to pay our respects while their souls are still searching for the light searching for the well, to something a little less sombre, but only a little. I guess we'll uh, we'll have a chat about the game and and do our, our love and hate. Uh, one thing we loved, one thing we hated about Port Adelaide this week. Uh, Rick, do you want to start us off? Oh, the arch, my friend. The arch. What a, what a super full game by Brendan. I was pumped. I um, yes, his kicking at times was a little bit less than desired, but I think that's because he had the courage. Um, to try and kick on his uh, on his left side, but uh, I keep saying it. I said on Facebook, I said on Big Footy. I was texting you every five minutes, um, <laughs> saying he's got as good a handball as what Greg Williams had. I mean, and whoever did the gif on Big Footy, apologise. I don't <laughs> remember your name, but that bump, spin, avoid tackle, handball. Past the player, but in front of him for that Ollie Wines to run onto it was just a majestic bit of play, and it was Greg Williams-esque. And um, it's a, I just think the thing I can see with Brendan is now he he has the courage to go for the ball. I think in the previous years and even last year, um, you know, not that he would say it, but I guess I, I got the feeling that he. He sort of was leaving it to the more named people, even in the SANFL level, to get the ball because they're such good players. And I think now he's just going, you know what? I see ball, I'm going to try and get ball. Mm. And, um, you know, and he's not worrying about who the named players are. If if the ball's there and there's an opportunity, um, it's great. And uh, I think it's a reminder for supporters, Macker and, and Bomber, you would remember this, I'm sure, um, that two years ago was scrubbing a line through Brendan and go, no, nah, he's not good enough. He's uh, to list him, to list him. You know, he was an underage kid, came in and, as seven, a skinny 17-year-old and, um, you know, had knee tendonitis, which he had to battle through. And, um, you know, the club's persevered and they hopefully are going to receive the spoils of, of pumping the time and experiencing the Brendan. And I, I think he was a... Like Nathan Cracker is a shining light for this season. No yeah, doubt, definitely. Yeah, he had a great game, and look, his kicking needs improvement. There's no doubt about that. But that handball, especially the one you mentioned, I mean, I had to pretty much stop myself from putting my hand down my pants at that point. Disgraceful! Absolutely ridiculous. I, I, I honestly thought he was going to get tackled, and then I saw him dish off this handball. I thought, oh, that's going to, you know, that's going to go two meters in front of Wines, and he just. Hit it perfectly so Wines didn't have to change stride. and Oh, it was perfect. And I love the way he hunts the ball. You know, he's always at the bottom of that pack, you know, trying to dish out the ball and, and try and get it. It's, uh, it's fantastic. It is awesome. And I guess I hated, boys, um, our dysfunctional defence. Where has our coordinated defence gone? And I'm banging on about it, but 
Our loose man, Brad Ebert, in the first quarter was playing it a little bit as well. Is sitting way too high and is not clogging the space in front of the leading target. And the amount of ball that Sydney delivered to leading targets in space um, was doing my head in. And if you're going to put your hand down your pants over Brendan Archie, I was going to put head, <laughs> I was going to put my head through the TV. I was that bloody frustrated. It was very very frustrating. There's no way that Sydney should have had that much time and space and three players inside their forward 50 as what they did on Thursday night. No, it wasn't pretty. It certainly wasn't pretty. There was uh, probably two or three occasions where Kennedy got free on the lead, and you know Sam Reid has kicked three goals for the season, and he kicks three goals in the first half against Jack Homsch, who's been just about unbeatable so far this year. So, yeah, it was probably the defence's worst game for the season, I would say. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Pretty bad. Um... Uh, Alapati looked like he was struggling to even lift his feet off the ground. Um, so Jonas, I'm convinced Jonas has a has an injury. He he doesn't look like he can even move or twist. Yeah, he wasn't. Well, he, uh, it wasn't pretty out there. He can't kick. No, that's, well, no uh, one that's can it. at the moment. I don't know why. Mm. Yeah, well, this this is. Um, no, I don't want to bang on about it too much. I don't want to steal your release thunder, but. It's I've no it's been going on for like the last six weeks. Even our our twenty metre kicks are all falling short. All our kicks are falling short. Are we are we too lackadaisical? Is that what it is? You know, the the root, you know, the old myth is if the if you're kicking the ball over someone's head all the time, it's the adrenaline kicking in and causing you to overkick the ball. Is it the opposite? Are we too relaxed? and too lackadaisical and, and too complacent with our disposal. But, you know, the kicks and Westoff seems to be a notorious one for that one. Mm. Yeah, you've pretty much stolen my hate there. So <laughs> I might as Sorry. well go. That's all right. My Continue hate on. was uh, our skills, quite simply. It was um, our skills were a, a bit of a joke out there. And, yeah, it's questionable whether they're even AFL standard right now. And, as you said, lazy kicks uh, are pretty much my issue. I mean, there were so many lazy 20-metre passes that didn't hit the target that, you know, half-volleyed to the player, put them under so much pressure. It must have happened 15 or, or 16 times out there, and it's just not good enough. I mean, these are kicks under no pressure at all that you should be hitting the target every time. There is no excuse why you cannot hit a 20-metre target kicking sideways into the corridor. Yeah. When, when you've taken a mark and you're under no pressure at all. It shouldn't happen. Jonas did it about six times. I reckon Westhoff did it three or four times. You know, everyone did it out there. Boak did it, Broadbent, Gray. I mean, everyone was culpable for that. Yeah, I saw um, uh, the Hoon and um, Moore in the last quarter, and they were just, it was just ridiculous. Exactly as you said, Macca, that chipping back into the corridor, a simple, I reckon I could have dobbed it. And no. they, it's like they're coming off the side of the boot every time. It's just laziness. It's just pure laziness. I mean, and you can, and you can tell because they do it off one kick, um, off one step. You know, they, they sort of go back, they take one step, ball drops short. I mean, it happens every time. It's, it shouldn't happen. It needs to be uh, ironed out pretty quick. And, you know, it's not good enough for AFL standard. It's, it's debatable whether it's even good enough for SANFL standard. It looked like SANFL standard. And... I guess it's frustrating because we were 
we were in that game, and mm. we should have been in that game consi- con, uh, considering their injuries and um, suspensions. And, uh, you know, and we were on top. And it's really, uh, it's just yeah, sloppy and disappointing. But that's been our season. It has. Look, my love was, uh, I love seeing some aggression out there. And even though we couldn't handle Sydney lifting their game after, you know, the, the big tackle and, and the bump happened, um, it was great to actually see us throw our bodies in and, and hit the packs hard and lay a couple of crunching tackles for once. How um, how how weak was uh, Brody's uh, attempted aggression at the man? I mean, come on, at least knock the injured guy over or something. I, I, it was sort oh, of I didn't mind that at all. I, he was just letting him know he was there. It was like, yeah, come on, I'm here. And to, it, look, to... it looked a lot worse than it was because Parker grabbed his leg and held onto his leg for about five seconds. And it made it look like he was sort of trying to bump him for five seconds, but I don't know. It, it looked pretty stupid to me. But I, I actually didn't mind it. It just, it, I just couldn't work out what he was. He trying to hump his leg like a dog, or uh, <laughs> what, what was he actually trying to achieve there? Because he didn't really go around it the right way. I was just looking at it going, Brody, what the hell are you doing? At least he should have jumped him. off the turnbuckle with an elbow to the back of the head. Yeah, punch him in the face or something. If you're going to be aggressive, just get into it, mate. Mm. And Dude. I also love, I've got to say, I love the fact that Schultz didn't get any weeks for that tackle, which uh, no. surprised me greatly. I don't know. I was hoping he'd get one. <laughs> <laughs> Only one. I was hoping he'd get rough. I have out to say, I'm a little bit. I, I, I'm a little bit confused about that because I, I can't see the difference in movement. I, I get what people are saying. There's a little bit of a, it was a slightly less intentional, but there wasn't much in it. In it terms was a of bit more gift, of a fluid movement. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit more of a fluid movement, yeah. but not by much. There was still. You know, one and a half actions compared to sort of two actions with Gibbs. And I don't know, it's just a, a strange decision. And you can understand why people get frustrated. And I can certainly understand why Gibbs is frustrated because, uh, you know, they, they were quite similar. And one guy gets two weeks, the other guy gets uh, gets nothing. For the same reckon- result, they, they both got knocked out, both got uh, stretched off the field. Do you reckon that they would have taken into account Schultz's response after? And no. uh, and Gibbs's response after? Probably not. I don't think. No, it's, I, it, I don't it, think it, so. Someone mentioned it on the forum, and it just it did to me. That was actually the the most telling difference between the two tackles is the the tackling player's response to the after effect. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I don't, I just I don't think there was as much of a sling. It, it sort of started in a different spot. So Bryce has really pulled him around and and pull and then slung him right down to the ground recklessly head first. Whereas mm. Jay sort of just brought him down on onto his flat, onto his stomach, and um, and it was just unlucky that I don't even. It really there didn't seem to be that much impact at all with the head. Maybe he's got a, a soft skull or something, but. Um, it's uh... well on that point. Neither did Gray's. I mean, it didn't look like Gray's head hit the ground that hard against with the uh... tackle as well. But it's just maybe where the head got hit, what part of the the skull sort of hit the ground first. I guess I disagree with that because Gibbs was. Uh, if you try and liken Gray's, um, Gray sort of did fall head first, almost sort of like a quasi sort of a spear tackle. 
And um, whereas Jay's was just sort of flat parallel. And well, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I didn't think, I thought Gibb should have got games. And I did actually think Schultz should have got off. Uh, but I was expecting Schultz to get games from a consistency perspective because of the injury. So it was also interesting, I thought, that um, Sydney's response to that in terms of physicality, we were very critical. Um, on the podcast and on the forum of, of Port's lack of physicality to Gibbs tackle. But, I mean, Sydney didn't do anything after that either. They they just went about their business and won the game. <laughs> and that was the difference. You know, we sort of, we allowed Carlton to kick, what, six out of the next eight goals. And, you know, Sydney kicked four goals in eight minutes and it was game over. Mm. And that's where it was sad. We just stopped. Well, it was all, it was just like we had our breather and good job, boys. Let's um, let's just uh, stop now. And uh, Sydney just went bang, bang, and bang. That's it. That old uh, bomber. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> bomber. What were your love and hate for this week? Uh, well, look, Rick stole my love. That was the Archie's handball. That was uh, it. Was so sublime. It was it was the equivalent of um, uh, MPs pick up and goal from last year. Um, yeah. It's just so seamless. And the way he, he levered, levered his arm around, collected the ball just in one movement, it was great. Um, and I think that from memory, that was a that ended up in a shot on goal that we missed or Chad just dobbed it short. But um, I, I loved that. My hate was just the sheer frustration of watching the game. It was a really hard game to watch, um, and I look. I know I know Jasper cops it, um, but I, I I don't understand why he he attracts most of the vitriol. I, th- I think he was um, far far from our worst player on the on the night. He just is probably so visible. Um, yeah, because I can't he's got the courage. I'm with you. He's got he's got the courage to take it on, and so he just get he's the whipping boy. And, Here uh, we and go it... again. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've got a fellow defender of Jasper, so I need to, I need to highlight the the flaws in people's unrealistic nature. Mm. I, I didn't think Jasper had a good game at all, but you know there was still probably twelve or thirteen players that played worse. Yeah, and I think that's more my point is that he's he's very easy to pick on because he's he's. Uh, because he takes the risks, he's going to have those uh, those errors every now and then, um, and probably more so than those that don't take the risks. But I want to know what's happened to Ebert. Ebert just seems to be Mister Invisible wow. at the moment. Wait, I think can well, the I same just... thing happened last year. Hey, hey, wait, hey, hey, <laughs> steady on. Can I expand your question there, Bomber? If you don't mind me, okay. I think you could ask the question. Um, not about what's happened to Ebert, but what's happened to our leadership group? Ebert, Travis Boat, Matt Lobie, Tom Jonas. They're all in there. Hamish Hartlett. Hamish Hartlett. And now they're all inconsistent and struggling. So can you rephrase the question, please, and ask again? (laughs) (laughs) So what's happened to those blokes? Macken. I mean, I thought I've I've actually thought Hartlett's been reasonably good. I mean, I, it's um, I haven't seen. Well, Hartlett him. played his best game probably for the year on the weekend. 
Yeah, and he was aggressive, and I like, that's what I like about his game. When he plays those aggressive games, and you know doesn't doesn't take a step back, he, he really he really takes the game on, and he's good to watch. Um, Ebert, Ebert and Jonas to me, I mean Jonas to me looks injured. Ebert doesn't look injured, but he just doesn't seem to be able to get the ball like he used to. Boak, I can I like I watch Boak. He's just even if his numbers aren't up, he's in there. He's he's at every play and he's affecting every play. He's um, he's just in there. Um, you can never. I don't think you could ever uh, criticise good old Trevor for his uh, for his efforts. Hmm. Do you think he's injured? It's hard no. to tell. Nah. He did come off. It, it is hard to say. I don't know. I, I don't think he's injured. I just think he's in a bit of a rut. So we had a couple of tweets, boys. Um, Bevan says, of course, Rick wins. Arch, the big body mid that we've been looking for. Thank you very much. Um, Bevan also said, if you're going to do a 15-metre lazy kick, give it to the Arch for a handball of 20 metres. Um, I agree with that too. And yep. uh, Scott S. feels sick watching Tom Jonas. Such a great player who looks shot mentally and does not want to be out there. And... Well, I've got to say, my son um, thinks that I, I hate Tom Jonas as a player and I don't hate Tom Jonas. I, I just think that he needs to go um, because he's not in form. And I want him back because in form, Tom Jonas is a fantastic player. Um, yeah. But at the moment, and I say this with all um, integrity and hand on my heart, he's a liability. And yeah. um, until Spot we can... Until he can get his form back, he has to go back. And the coaches, buddy, oh, my God, I, Ken, I love you. And I love the fact that you you have faith in your players, but they're letting you down, man. And there has to be a bit of accountability here at some stage. And I know Porsche said last week we need to have the players to replace them. Um, but at the same time, something has to happen. We can't keep putting up with it. No. It, it is spot on. And look, it's, it's fair enough that Kenny has faith in the players. And look, Tommy Jonas for two years hasn't really put a foot wrong. But this year he's badly out of form. I would almost go as far as saying he's as out of form as I've ever seen any AFL player in my time watching yeah. football. He's just He just looks absolutely shot mentally. Every time he goes near it, something bad happens. And... It might sound harsh, but that's the reality of where it is at the moment. And as I said last week or the week before, I actually think it's doing more harm than good keeping him in the side and and putting him through this at the moment. And, and it was even worse, the fact that he was mic'd up with Channel 7. I mean, who oh. authorised that decision? That's, <laughs> if, you could, if you could have picked the worst possible yeah. player in the worst possible form to go through that sort of thing, you'd be picking Tommy Jonas. In a crunch match too, like... I, I, like, I did not understand that, that decision at all. <laughs> any player, any other player, I'd much prefer Andrew Moore to sit on the bench and be mic'd up, to be honest. <laughs> could we could we put a petition to get um, Justin Westhoff mic'd up? He doesn't say much, though, does he? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, that's what I want to do. just it. be silent. That'd be funny. <laughs> It'd be hilarious. Let's get it going. Well, look, let's get on uh, and talk a bit more about the game and look, 
not only do we say Valet to Philip Walsh, we say Valet to season 2015, I think, after we lost to a pretty injury-riddled Sydney, who beat us by 10 points, 14 goals, 10 to 12 goals, 12. Uh, Chatty Wingard, once again, led the scoring for about the fifth week in a row. Um, with three goals, uh, Westhoff and Cracker kicked two goals each. I think it was a bit of a mixed bag out there between periods of, of some pretty impressive play by Port Adelaide and, and periods where we looked pretty amateur out there. And in the end, it was, I guess, another case this year of, you know, coulda, shoulda, woulda, but just didn't. No. Yeah, I think I think given if we'd, if we'd won maybe, you know, if we'd beaten Brisbane and Carlton and maybe West Coast, you know, we probably would have won that 10-point uh, loss to Sydney in Sydney. Um, and wouldn't have, wouldn't have thought too much of it. Um, I thought the game itself was really frustrating to watch, and it was surprising in the end that we we got so close. I did think we were going to nab it at one point, but unfortunately not. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was a, it was a, it was a strange game to watch. There was times when I think in the game day thread I was posting very excitedly that things have started to click. And there was a couple of those plays, goal to goal, where you just got the sense that, hold on, we're taking control of this game. Where And whereas last year we would have run away and, and kicked away and won the game, we just haven't been able to get that get that happening this year, which is, yeah. which is probably where the frustration comes from. Yeah, look, I mean, third quarter, we kicked two goals to start the quarter. We were in front by a point. Then um, Schultze knocks out Teddy Richards and... The game just changed in that instant. They kicked, uh, what, something like, I don't know, four goals, one to, to end the quarter to nothing. And I don't know, at that point of the game, we were right in the contest. You know, we were doing everything we had to do to, to stay in the game. Look, we were getting beaten in the midfield. You know, our forward entries probably weren't all that great, but, you know, we were making the most of them. And despite the fact that Sam Reid got uh, got away from Jack Homsch, um in the first half and kicked three first half goals. You know, we, we really did sort of tighten up on their, on their forwards um, to start that third quarter. And then it just went all downhill. It was very depressing. It was, again, it was one of those games of momentum. It looked like we were going to be chasing our tail. Um, we did get teased in that third quarter. Um, but the, the, I guess the warning signs were there throughout the game. Uh, we, we, we did lack accountability around the midfield. Once again, for the 1,000th time, uh, Mr Kennedy just tears us a new one. We uh, don't seem to have a system in place to actually try and play him in the last eight years. We just let him do whatever he wants. Um, and you, can, you knew that Adam Goods was going to pop up and fill in the void of the two key forwards because he's just that good a player, whether you like him or not. Um, but yeah, look, structurally we just look um, deficient. We, I was watching for a change a couple of other games on TV, and you know, I was watching ruck contests and the ruckman tapping the ball to advantage to the midfielders, and there's some good set plays there, and I don't see anything. We don't have any structure around the ball. Um, we've lost our defensive structure, which was our key pillar at the start of the year. I mean, what happened to Matthew Nix being the man in demand? And um, as we know, there's, we've got no forward line. Uh, it's just fallen to bits. And, uh, and I think it goes deeper than losing Phil Walsh or um, Alan Richardson. But, um, yeah, I, I almost feel like 
we need to find a scapegoat at the end of the year to almost send a wake-up call to everybody that, you know what, fellas, uh, if you don't pull your finger out, this is what happens. And um, it will be interesting if something like that does happen. Mm. It's frustrating because it's almost like we've regressed back to 2012 where we have these sort of 10 or 15-minute bursts where we look like a, a competent football team and look like we could beat anybody on any given day. And then for the rest of the time, we just look like utter garbage. And, and that might sound harsh, but... Yeah, when you, as we said earlier, when you're missing sort of so many 20 metre kicks and, you know, when you're just tapping the ball down the, the opposition midfielder's throats every time oh. you get a bloody hit out, I mean, it's just, just gets to the point of ridiculousness. Or not even competing in the ruck. Like, you know, I think that happened in the Carlton game where Lobby just missed, uh, missed getting set up for the, uh, for, for the throw in and it resulted in a goal. And you think stuff like that is that's amateur time, um, yeah. and I, to me, he's probably one of the big disappointments of this year as well. I thought he I thought he played really well last year, but this uh, this year he just hasn't done it. Um, I think the the thing that got me with the Sydney game is that, as I said before, you'd, we was we looked like we were going to nab it a couple of times, and then just we didn't get the momentum or we didn't. We didn't keep the run happening, and we just fell in a heap. And it, I was, I was uh, not so. I was a bit skeptical of the calls of we're not fit or we've lost our fitness early in the year. But it, that's all I can put it down to. Everything I'm seeing looks like a lack of fitness because they're, mm. they're they're driving themselves into the ground to get within a couple of goals in the last quarter, and then everything falls over. They yeah. lose their skills. And it can't just be down to Polek and, and Matty White being missing. No. Maybe it's Mitchell. We need Mitchell back. No. No. I don't know what it is. I think it's between the years now. I think we've just been uh, devoided of confidence to the point where it's almost irreparable for 2015. I think the calls, though, that you know we need a mass clean-out are very premature. Um, I wouldn't go that far. I just think we need some clever drafting and some smart trading. And, uh, and like I just said, I think we need to um, maybe have a scapegoat. I know it sounds silly. Four straws? No, I'm, I'm happy to nominate someone, <laughs> if you like. Who would you um, nominate? Matt Lobie. Yeah? Yeah, I think he's the... No offence, Matt. I'm sure you don't listen. Um, but uh, I think he um, he's probably the sort of player that could attract interest because of his size. Yep. Uh, but I think he's not really a great tap Ruckman. And Macker and I have been banging on it ever since we started this show that he can't take a mark to save his life. I, um, I think we're better off maybe running first Ruckwood rider seeing if we can jag a number one, oh, number one, a first round pick uh, for Matt Lobie and, uh, and using that to, um, uh, to get two, two first rounders um, and or to up trade to try and get a key forward um, that might be available or possible out of one of the fringe teams. That's, I think that you know, this is something we might have to be willing to do and it might be enough that it might make the players wake up and go, oh, shit, well, yeah, Ken's serious and if we don't pull our finger out, this is what could happen. 
And I understand the team harmony and the team dynamics and, and affecting morale and all that sort of stuff, but sometimes uh, you've got to do it. I mean, our midfield setups have been pretty poor all year. And look, fair call to the two Ruckmen. I mean, they, they dominated the hitouts. They had nearly double the hitouts from what Sydney had. And it was a stark turnaround from, uh, from the first match this year where we just got absolutely pantsed in the Ruck. Um, but it's no good when you, uh, when you have nearly double the, the hitouts, but you still lose the clearances. I mean, that, that just does your head in. We just have no, we have no method there. That's what I was saying before. In, especially, sorry about my chair. I apologise. The squeaky um, chair is back. The squeaky chair is back. I've, I've punched out two tax returns while we've done this podcast. So how cool is that? <laughs> I'm multitasking. People keep coming online to our website and asking to do a tax return. So I go, yeah, sure, no dramas. Um, but um, we're lacking structure. We we just got no structure. We're not winning taps to advantage. It, it's just it's just messy. We, yeah, it's I don't know. It's where do we go? We we need to do something. You know, and this was very unexpected. I was not expecting we would be having this conversation. No, no, it's pretty disappointing. I guess I want to have a chat about some individual players and and talk about their their form at the moment. And I guess the first one's Paddy Wright. He came back into the side and. Look, you know, two kicks, two marks for the game was uh, pretty disappointing. Yeah, mm. he. Um, it was funny because I felt like I, I saw him a lot in the play, but he obviously wasn't getting to the ball. Um, yeah. And there was a couple of times, a couple of uh, bombs into the forward 50 that he just, he should have marked them, but he just it wasn't in right position or didn't, hadn't sort of outbodied the, the defender. And I thought, you know, that's that's surely why we got him. We got him because he's a he's a big bastard, and he can sit there and he can outbody most of the defenders that he gets stuck on. Um, I would have thought, you know, a, along with the ruck work, that taking those marks in the forward fifty is uh, is what it, part of his role. Yeah, we well, just didn't provide anything um, offensively at all. Look, I thought his his ruck work was probably the best of any ruckman. Um, on the park, but you know we just need more than that. We, we've already got that with uh, with Lobie. We don't need another ruckman that um, that can't get a kick, sort of thing. So, well, he got singled out on the uh, Fox pretty badly. They they uh, they didn't were impressed with his uh, efforts at all. Mm. So, um, yeah, I really so, thought that would have been a game which would have suited his style of play, especially if we were playing him out of a out of the square and just getting it in long. Especially when Richards went down, I thought, you know, this, this might be the chance for us, you know, to to get um, some long deep inside fifties in and, and try and take some contested grabs um, pretty deep, but just didn't happen. No, I maybe the wider things sort of um, playing on his mind. It um, yeah, it just it's really weird. I I don't know it's almost like there's a bit of disharmony in the group. Does that make sense? It's, they're not playing as much for each other as they have in previous years. But you know, when you listen well, I think to them, probably because they're under the pump now and they're they're yeah. really under on. the pump and the pressure's on and you know. They can't really afford to, to stuff up, and I think when you have that sort of mentality in, in anything you do, whether it's you know like a, a, a normal job or sport, if, if you're worrying about stuffing up, then you tend to always stuff up. Yeah. 
I don't know. We, there's something going on. We're the Bermuda Triangle of AFL football this season. <laughs> well, how bad's how bad's Essendon going this year? I can't say I've even watched a game of theirs this year. Yeah, but the question is how if you if you rank Essendon, how bad are they? Are they on the nose? No, they'd be bottom three. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're only one win ahead of them, mm. Mm. and we're and we're equal with St Kilda. Jeez, who would have picked that at the beginning of the year? Not yeah. many. Not many at all, so, that's for sure. And if it makes you feel better, North Melbourne's only one game ahead of us. So we're not the only disappointment in the AFL this year. So no. that's a good thing. We can always try and pass the buck on to uh, to North. But, yeah, that's, I mean, I guess that's got to put it into perspective of how bad we are travelling. Um, you know, St Kilda's equal with us and just off by percentage. Yeah. Well, look, moving on, Angus Monfries, is he out of form or is he a victim of the role that he's um, being asked to play in the side? Because he hasn't really, he's really struggled to have any sort of impact in the last couple of weeks. Mm, that's a good question. Um, it's disappointing because you, you, you sort of expect him to, he's one of those players that can um, create a bit of play. Um, it's exciting when you see the ball go towards him, but the last few games... I haven't seen that at all. It's just uh, he seems to be more focused on locking his player down. Yeah. Look, he did a good job of that. You know, Reshaw didn't really have any sort of impact on the play at all. But I don't know. I mean, with where we are at the moment, I don't think we can afford to have a player inside our forward 50 that's sole job is to shut down um, an opposition play. You know, they, they need to kick goals as well. We need anyone to kick goals at the moment. I, <laughs> I can't believe how how off our uh, goal radar is. Um, uh, just some of the goals that we're missing at the moment. Just last year would have would have sailed through the middle. Uh, and I I was talking to my brother a couple of weeks ago about this and saying, in some ways, this year is almost the opposite year we had in two thousand and seven, where mm. where nothing could go wrong for us. You know, we, we got over the line and we won so many close games just by getting over the line. This yeah. year, we've got the exact opposite, where we're getting close but not getting, not getting the four points. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, I think that's, <laughs> that's probably the worst thing about this year is I think that there were, I reckon there's probably three, three to four games that I think we should have won and could have won if we'd kicked straighter. And oh, I know no doubt. bad kicking's bad football, as they say. But, uh, you know, there's the, uh, that Carlton game we should have won. I reckon we should have beaten Brisbane. And I, I seriously think we have, were in a position if we could have put pressure on Sydney to win that game just by doming a few of those goals. Yeah. As I said in the intro, you know, could have, should have, but didn't. I mean, yeah. it's been the story of our season, really, you know. You look at that, I mean, even the Richmond game where we kicked five goals, 13, and even though we lost by four or five goals, I mean, you know, you, you turn that around and, you know, we could have definitely been in a chance of winning that game. But I guess that's sort of the, the story of the season is just wasteful play and maybe a bit of laziness. Maybe we got a bit, little bit too cocky in the preseason and, you know, we've, um, we've paid the price. So I, don't, I don't think so because if we got cocky in the preseason... We wouldn't have been sitting at three and two. 
right? And I know, I remember you and Tribe were slapping each other on the back and, you know, I was going, boys, come on, let's remember I wanted four and one. This is pretty bad. And you guys were going, oh, three and two, we're rocking, man. We're going to do well here. And uh, I am, I'm part of You were letting off bloody party poppers, mate. What are you talking yeah. about? Fireworks. Um, <laughs> but I do think that, I think maybe the boys got ahead of themselves, like the press going, oh, they're going to win the next easy 10 games now. It's just going to, you know, fade accompli. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It's But it's just, it's really, the fall has been dramatic. And I think it is has coupled from uh, the style of play they're all playing. Has there been a season where our, our style of play has been so dramatically curtailed in the AFL? It's, it's like, even though we didn't win the premiership, it was... It seems like everyone is trying to work out a way to stop our style of play compared to the Sydney or the Hawthorne. Or is Sydney and Hawthorne and Frio's unstoppable? It helps when you can hit targets, Rick. I think that's uh, that's the main point, is that um, Hawthorne, Sydney, Frio are excellently skilled, elite skilled players, elite skilled team. Um, we're just nowhere near that at the moment. Yeah. I mean, you, you can you can come up with with all sorts of reasons for our downturn, but I, I think I genuinely think our lack of skill at the moment is probably the number one reason why we're struggling so much because we just turn it over so much. I'm I'm not sure of the uh, of the stats. I'd love to find out um, what our score from uh, from turnovers is. I reckon we'd be uh, we'd be pretty much bottom or, or leading the pack of that in terms of of against. I reckon we've uh, we would have given up the most score um, from turnovers in the league. I reckon. And the irony is that they're, um, they're hell-bent on trying to stop those. You know, that's why they have those chip around the back, you know, uh, dinky kicks in the back lines. Mm. It's to try and get over the, uh, over the press so that... Oh, that's I'm, fair enough, I watched too. watched the Hawthorne-Adelaide game, and Hawthorne, they controlled that game beautifully. Like they, they played that tempo slow the game down, control it. It was like they were going at, you know, third speed, just kick, 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 and then just put their foot down when they needed to. Um, and it was a real eye-opener to the standard that we need to get to because I haven't yeah. seen us play that, play like that, I don't think, ever. <laughs> no. Well, that's a disappointing thing because that was all the talk in the preseason, especially after we lost that prelim final, pretty much because of our skill level and our poor kicking at goal and, and the amount of turnovers that we gave up that night. Um, yeah, that was all the talk in the preseason. You know, we're going to spend so much more time on the skills. We're doing double the work on skills as what we did, you know, last year. And we've got absolutely nothing to show for it at the moment. Hence my post the other day. Um, should we just go back to basics and just go, you know what? No glam this year, boys. We're just going to stay at Alberton and we're just going to work our butts off? Mm-hmm. Or or is it too primitive and too old school and it's too much of a disadvantage doing that and they should still go to uh, Dubai? Well, I don't know. I mean, that's why they get paid a lot of money is to make those decisions, I guess. I don't know if... It's really hard to say. I mean, you really need to be able to put a finger on why we've performed so poorly this year. And Did we overtrain in the preseason? Do we not have the run in our legs? Is that why we're struggling to hit targets this year? And 
I mean, that, that could be very much the reason why we are struggling. But I don't know. It, it's hard to say. I, I think there's valid reasons why we shouldn't go to Dubai. But then I think there's also valid reasons why we should continue to do it. But you, you've got to find that balance between um, doing a lot of running and actually um, you know, honing your skills because that's what's going to win your games. Mm. If you can't kick, you can't play. Simple as that. Yeah, I don't know. Some, sometimes I just think the old school punishment of, okay, well, you know, let's just go back to basics, bread and butter, work on skills, running. I mean, crying out loud, it's bloody hot over here anyway. So, um, you know, maybe that's their punishment. You don't get the dessert because you, um, you didn't do what you were told. Mm. It's it's interesting. It's in a way, I thought 2015 was going to be a, a defining season for us. But I think for this playing group as a whole, 2016 is going to be a massive defining season. And oh, definitely. I could, I could if it goes this way again next year, I think there's going to be a lot of heads that roll and. Um, yeah, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think I think it's a, a dip year that sometimes teams have. I'm not going to compare it to the Geelong year, uh, but I do think we're just having a dip year because our boys are much better than what they're put, showing at the moment. I definitely agree with that, and I know I know I know I'm a Port supporter and I'm biased, but I do think that they're they're playing under underneath their ability. Um, it's definitely I don't think it's a case that we played above our ability last year. Um, we had some luck go our way, most definitely, but I think over the course of the season and, and through the finals last year, we we definitely played to our ability. Um, this year, that's why it's so dis- disappointing, I think, that the, this year was just, we had we had that opportunity and, you know, that, that lead in, the start of the season could have worked so well for us. But, mm. Mm. Well, hopefully we get an easier draw next year. <laughs> Even Maybe that's like, your ultimate plan. We're gunning. Well, <laughs> I like I like the tough draws because uh, I'm a big fan. If you want to be the best, you have to beat the best. Yeah. So, um, you know, to me, I actually like this year's draw, uh, but obviously it's exposed us and cracked us wide open. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't that good after all. At least we now know where the cracks are. Well, what he's playing halfback flank the at back, the moment. In the back line at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mac, it was so funny. Oh, God. That's not annoying talk- at all. <laughs> Actually, talking about, talking about Cracker, though, I've got to say, um, I do think that maybe he should be up forward or on a wing. I like his disposal on the halfback line. Um... But um, he does seem to lack a little bit of defensive accountability. Oh, look, he got uh, burned by Kennedy in that first quarter. But, I mean, that's not really a matchup that I would have ever sort of imagined happening. Sort of uh, Nathan Cracker playing on Josh Kennedy. So, I don't know. It's uh, I think they tactically got that one a little bit wrong, I think. But, um, yeah, look, I mean, the, the issue with Nathan Cracker moving away from defence is that he's probably our only only decent kick in the back line at the moment. Mm. So, you, well, know, you should take be. him away and he, he shouldn't be. But, uh, Brody, you, Brody used to be a great kick. 
he used to, but he's not at the moment. And you can say the same about all of them. I mean, Jonas has never been a great kick, but he knew his limitations and he he, he could still hit targets. I mean, Carlisle was, has always been okay. Um, I don't know. It's uh, it's a bit disappointing at the moment. So the issue is you take him away from defence and what's going to happen? Mm, he might kick goals. Might <laughs> kick it to, he might You've kick got to it get it up to, there first. He might kick it to a leading forward. Oh, no, AFL football, there isn't really defined positions anymore anyway. So let's let's face it. Um, so, uh, yeah, look, it's... I mean, everyone just runs around everywhere. It, I just think it's just a real... I don't know. It's a really average game style they're delivering this year in quality. It's just mini-league stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's... I said on the forums, it, it's... It's hard to watch, to be honest. And it's not because Port's just losing. I have real minimal interest in watching other teams play because it's just, yeah, flood around the ball carrier and or flood around a 60-metre perimeter of the team if it's in their half-back line. So you're just congesting the next kick. It's, um, you know, we're almost turning into rugby union, which is where our games spawn from. And it was interesting, Nathan Buckley referred to a pack as a rolling mall the other day. Well, basically he is at the moment. Yeah, which is rugby. Mm. But anyway, I could waffle on for hours and we've already done our hour. That's it. We shall say uh, farewell for the evening. Bomber, thank you very much for coming on. No probs. Thanks for having me. Hopefully uh, next time uh, it's uh, a bit of a more happy, <laughs> happy evening, yeah, I... I guess. <laughs> And you shouldn't leave it so long to join us for the season. You should come on more often, Bomber. Come on, come on the radio. On Port Fan Radio. Yeah, definitely. That was my joke after forgetting you came on earlier in the year. Again, my humour just goes down like a lead balloon. I got stopped. That humour. That That was my joke. That was my joke, Macca. Uh. Well, you keep leaving me hanging out for dry. When are you going to support my humour? If I actually knew that was humour, then it might have been. I was going to say you need, a, you need a sign you can send through, like a hashtag. Flag the yeah. jokes coming. Just send me a text when uh, you're about to do a joke, and <laughs> then I'll make sure I laugh. Oh, you guys are so funny. Rick, as always, buddy, has been great. Pleasure. Looking forward to Wednesday. Hopefully I won't be as rushed, so I might be able to crack a few funnies this time. That's it. All right, boys. Until next time. Power! Count the ports. <laughs>